This episode is brought to you by The Athlete's Foot. Welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast covering women's sports news. Bez, what have we got around the grounds this week? Spain wins their first ever World Cup. $200 million investment into women's sport was announced by the Albanese government and for the first time, the men and women will be using the same tennis balls at the US Open. Love that. For the key story, we'll discuss the Australian Wallaroos player statement calling out inequity in standards, pay and resourcing from Rugby, rugby Australia. Ruggery. Ruggery. My name is Chloe Dalton and I'm joined every week on the show by my co-host Bez. We have just finished one month. Well, we didn't play, but I felt like I played in the FIFA Women's World Cup and I'm exhausted. You are exhausted. You also are trying to juggle a book launch, an AFLW preseason, like, you you know, just got a bit on. There's a fair bit going on. There's a bit on, but what an amazing time. And all of those things are amazing things. Your book's amazing. Had a win on Friday night in a yeah, pracky match. Yeah, match. How good. Nice. And nice. just spent some amazing moments, again, with all these people that are willing to invest in female sport we at love the FIFA that. World Cup. We love it. What an event. We'll it was get into that. Quite amazing. Yeah, we will get into it. Let's do it now. Let's take a look around the grounds. In football, surprisingly. <laughs> the Matildas did unite a nation over the last month and – for that, we are so very thankful. I know you've put a thank, thank you post up. Everyone's put thank you posts up. And, yeah, it's, I think that's the overwhelming kind of emotion is thank you. From them as well, it's a really nice little reciprocated mm. thank you. <laughs> not a Both one, ways. Not a one-way relationship, <laughs> I hope. Uh, they shone a light on women's sport and the whole country did stop, watch and cheer until they were hoarse. It was, it was a time, wasn't it? Unfortunately, the dream ending wasn't to be until he's finished fourth, which is still the best finish in a World Cup by any Australian football team ever. Cool. The Aussies were super brave against Sweden, but they did look pretty fatigued, didn't they? They looked – to me, I just felt like they were mentally drained. And, that's, and that is the thing that you speak about physical – obviously they played seven matches and we probably did rely very heavily on our top mm. – 11 players and then Sam made 12. Mm. Um, but I think it that expectation and that hype, whilst it's amazing, it does take it out of you as well. Yeah, I think the the wear and tear on their adrenal system was a real thing. <laughs> it's a technical term. I don't know where it came from. I tried to think and that's what came out of my mouth. Wear and tear on my adrenal system. That's I've got how to be I feel all the time. <laughs> I think that's why I said it. <laughs> so they went down 2-0 in Brisbane once again in front of a sold-out crowd to the Swedish. But it was almost like the result didn't matter in a way. I was watching it pretty comfortable with the, the outcome. Obviously, it would have been amazing to see them get, get up on the stage and get some medals, but they had already won so much. They'd won over the media, which is a huge totally. thing. They won over the politicians. Mm-hmm. They won over the influencers. They went over the little kids. They went over the old kids, as in the older adults. And they went over fans of other sports. They went over non-fans of sport. Yeah, totally. That was the biggest thing for me, getting people who don't even like sport to scream at their television. Absolutely. And I think the biggest thing is they shared their journey with us and I, I, I don't think we can discount how much of that is a result of the fact that their profiles were built up. They definitely weren't as big as some male athletes' profiles, but there was some time and effort put into building profiles of yeah, these totally. women before the tournament. Mm-hmm. 
and there's a connection there. And that, that Disney doco, I was chatting to some people last night at the game about the power of that Disney doco so people could actually put names and faces but also stories to the players. I was chatting to a lady who wasn't necessarily a soccer fan but watched the doco four weeks out from the World Cup, then knew every single Matilda's player's name. So when Caitlin Ford's dribbling down the wing, she's yelling out Caitlin Ford's name saying, go, Caitlin, key goal. Exactly. There's so many stories like that and it's just so bloody wonderful. Should we do a bit of stat ping pong here? Love stat ping pong. All right, let's do this. The Tillies played seven matches over the course of the tournament. Every single match was played in front of a sold-out crowd. A total of 403,136 fans begged, borrowed, and stole to be in those stadiums to witness history. I love that the – like at first – I remember that first game against Ireland, we were in there going, oh, how much is it going to be? What's it going to be? Came up on the screen and like – Stadium Australia must have just replayed that number. Same number again. Over same and number. over again. It was weird. <laughs> the Matildas v England semi-final was the most watched TV event in Australian history ever. Huge. 11.15 million viewers broke the all-time record of 8.8 million who watched Cathy Freeman's iconic gold medal run in the 400 metres at the Sydney Olympics in 2000. And Dr Hunter Fujak carried out a survey in conjunction with Deakin University in an attempt to kind of capture the true numbers and include people that were at the match, at live sites, in clubs and pubs and watching on Optus Sport who don't share their viewing numbers. The results estimate the total national audience, and this is a, I figure Deakin University, it's got to be pretty legit, Pretty right? legit. I'm taking it as legit. A total national audience of the Matildas game was 17.16 million people. Huge. That's 64% of the entire population. Which I, well, we, we know we can't do sample populations based on who we know, but every single person I knew was watching, so I think it's true. <laughs> football New South Wales reported that the number of players signing up for junior summer football competitions has jumped 170% since last year. Madness. So cool. Valuation specialist Brand Finance declared the Matilda's value could rise up to as much as $210 million. Prior to the tournament, their value was sitting at around $40 million. Am I talking AUD? Because I think on our TFAP socials we shared in USD. Yeah, because yeah, I think we shared the gist, didn't we? Yes. Yes. Nike announced that the team's jersey for this year's tournament has outsold the kit for the 2019 edition 13 to 1, with more jerseys sold in Australia in the past three months than before, during, and after any previous competition. Huge. And stats and opinions, I think I titled this section, here's my opinion for you. You ready for this? Then I reckon, I reckon. I reckon. The noise heard across the country when Sam Kerr scored the most outrageous 63rd-minute equaliser in the semifinal versus England, shook the country so much a small earthquake was recorded. I, I couldn't agree more. Right. <laughs> I felt it's it. It's now a fact. I felt it. <laughs> The final was obviously played on Sunday night, once again in front of a sold-out crowd between England and Spain. Both teams did come to the World Cup at loggerheads with their federations, with England's FA refusing to increase the poultry World Cup bonuses FIFA has earmarked for players, and Spain coming to the tournament without a host of players who wrote and signed a letter to Spanish football complaining about head coach Jorge Vilda's behaviour and subpar conditions in the program in general. So 15 Spanish players, we've spoken about this before, signed that letter saying they wouldn't rejoin the team until things improved. The Spanish Federation pretty much dismissed the players' concerns and eventually after being given no other option, 11 players reconsidered and made themselves available. Only three were selected for the World Cup. The tension has been pretty obvious with, between the Spanish players and the and management. And the crowd. 
every time he came up on screen, there was a strong boo mm-hmm. urns happening. Um, and they did seem pretty hesitant to celebrate with Vilda after any of their victories. Mm-hmm. And their success is quite astounding given the turmoil they have faced. I think for me, watching them even make it to the final, I was quite surprised that they'd kind of persevered through all of that. And the fact that they were able to win the game to me is very impressive. They got the job done against a very good English team, taking home the World Cup after beating England 1-0 in the final. The only goal of the game came when Spain captain Olga Carmona drilled a low strike past England goalkeeper Mary Earps in the 29th minute. Spain were relentless. They were just like everywhere. They were speedy. It just like to me was kind of the best thing ever because it felt like the reverse of what England did to the Matildas. I feel like Spain did that to England and then they held the lead. They were wasting time, in my opinion, not as much as England wasted time the other night. And I was like, you are genuinely getting a taste of your own medicine. Are they not? Yep. I cannot disagree. You were like hesitant to agree, I well, think, because of I've your got English some very friends. Close friends <laughs> very close friends that are English and they may have there may have been a comment about how much time they're wasting and I just had to I held it all inside because I was like, what? Do we remember the semifinal? It was like they just blanked it from their memory. I found Do that a bit Mary bizarre. Do remember taking 15 minutes to take a goal kick? What about when Chloe Kelly got carded for throwing a second ball on the field? So many things. <laughs> Great memory from you, though. <laughs> Spain are the reigning under-17 and under-20 champions in women's football, and they're now firmly in the midst of a golden era for Spanish football. Atiana Bonmati was awarded the golden ball for the player of the tournament. She scored three goals for Spain throughout the competition and was at the heart of so much of what Spain did. She told the BBC, I'm up in the air right now. I don't have any words for this moment. It is unbelievable. I'm so proud because we did a great tournament. We suffered, but also we enjoy it and we deserve it. Everyone knew the goal at the beginning when preparing for the tournament. Everyone is competitive. Everyone has a strong mentality to win. We've been working a lot of years for this moment and we have it. We have the trophy. Did you translate that from Spanish to English? No, nope, that was what she said. <laughs> Great. It's hard to, <laughs> to speak like that, isn't it? I didn't know if that was your translating work. No, as a quote. <laughs> In some investment news, the Albanese government last week announced one of Australia's biggest comprehensive investment in women's sports, a $200 million commitment, $200 million commitment to improve women's sporting facilities and equipment. The Play Our Way Grants program will promote equal access, build more suitable facilities and support grassroots initiatives to get women and girls to engage, stay and participate in sport throughout their lives. The Play Our Way program will be designed by a panel of women who have experience navigating community sport through to professional sport, including Tal Carp, Lauren Jackson, Liz Ellis and Madison De Rosario. Pretty solid crew there. What a panel. Guidelines for Play Our Way Grants are in development and it is expected applications will open by early 2024. Sam Kerr said after the loss, I can only speak for the Matildas, but, you know, we need funding in our development. We need funding in our grassroots. We need funding, you know, we need funding everywhere. Great. great. Just everywhere. Just everywhere. Funding everywhere. Albanese said after sharing the news, the Matildas have given us a moment of national inspiration. This is about seizing that opportunity for the next generation, investing in community sporting facilities for women and girls around Australia. We want women and girls everywhere in Australia to have the facilities and support to choose a sport they love. Love that. The government confirmed it released a paper on options to reform anti-siphoning laws to make more major events available on free-to-air television. We know that that was a big discussion on a lot of our channels around 
the number of games that couldn't be accessed on Channel 7 um, because they were behind the paywall with Optus Sport. So the paper outlines a proposal to modernise the anti-siphoning scheme, which involves preventing streaming and other online services, along with subscription television broadcasters, from acquiring a right to provide coverage of an event on the anti-siphoning list until a free-to-air broadcaster has a right to televise the event on a free-to-air broadcasting service. Pretty much in this example, Channel 7 gets first access before Optus does to the broadcast deal. Is that what we're saying here? That's exactly what we're saying. And I think they're actually, what the biggest thing is, they're actually widening. There's already a list of on the anti-siphoning list. <laughs> There's a list on the list. There's a list on the list um, of sports and they're going to broaden that list of sports on the list. <laughs> been a big month everyone it's been a big month the minister for communications michelle Rowland, said every australian deserves the chance to enjoy live and free coverage of these events no matter where they live or what they earn the government's preferred reforms will bring online services into the regulatory framework and broaden the range of events on the list to include on the list <laughs> more women's sports and para sports Broadcasting iconic sporting and cultural events helps us to create shared experiences, fosters a collective Australian identity and contributes to grassroots community-based participation. That's a great quote. It's And it's 100% just been proved, proofed, proved. Proofed in the pudding. With the Matildas. Great. All those things tick. Shared experiences, collective Australian identity and contributing to grassroots community-based participation. Tick, tick, tick. In some cricket news, the inaugural Australian women's blind cricket team took to the field at the World Blind Games in Birmingham over the weekend. We spoke to Taylor Burton, the coach. Yeah, the head coach of the Aussie team. Last week on the wrap. Mm -hmm. Um, So they played England in their first match and defeated them by seven wickets. England batted first, posting a total of eight for 128 from their 20 overs. Courtney Lewis top scored for the Aussies with 43 runs from 46 balls and finished not out, contributing in a big way to the winning total of three for 130. Last night, Sunday night, the Aussies came up against a tough Indian team who really got the better of them, restricting them to a total of just 59 from their 20 overs. They scored two for 61 in their run chase to win by eight wickets. I believe next game is on Tuesday, again against England. So you can look up Blind Cricket Australia on Instagram and there is a stream there. Yeah, I love it. This episode is brought to you by The Athlete's Foot, proudly supporting women in sport since 1976. Start every game on the right foot with the right fit. Get fitted in store today or online at theathletesfoot.com for netball, football, running, and recovery. Now that's fit. In swimming, Swimming Australia is taking action after World Aquatics threatened to remove their membership because of what it saw as the sport's governance problems. The governing body has called a special general meeting on October 20 to address the issues. World Aquatics called for changes to the constitution in a letter within 90 days to make it more representative and inclusive of its athletes. The letter said there appears to be a void in the role of athletes in decision-making. So under Swimming Australia's present constitution, there are nine member associations or stakeholders made up of the states as well as the Australian Swimming Coaches and Teachers Association and the Australian Swimmers Association. World Aquatics requires that all 20 members of a national governing body's athletes committee have a vote. SA have proposed a new constitution, which has been endorsed by World Aquatics, 
but has not yet been published. In a statement, Swimming Australia said, the changes will provide swimming with a governance structure that aligns with its requirements as a member of World Aquatics and within the wider International Olympic Committee structure. The new constitution will also ensure more power to athletes, a stronger voice for athletes and coaches, while also delivering a broader voting base. If Swimming Australia's members don't vote on adopting a new constitution, its athletes could potentially be forced to compete under a neutral flag at international events. Pretty Surely big, they're voting for that. Pretty big news, isn't it? It is. A sport like swimming is that is just so embedded in Australian culture. It's mm. a, a bit concerning that their constitution doesn't meet water aquatics. It's a little bit surprising, isn't it? Mm. So yeah. Stay posted, but obviously, surely at that general meeting on 20th October, they will pass the changes required. They'd have to. In athletics, Jemima Montag has picked up Australia's first medal at the World Athletics Championships in Budapest, claiming silver in the women's 20-kilometre walk. Talk to me about the walk, Chloe. I was actually going to ask for a demo, Bez, of Mm, your walk technique. No, you're the little A's person. I did the swimming, you did the runnings. How did I, I did do Little A's. I don't think I ever did walk at Little A's, but I just, Sydney 2000 Olympics, just the heartache. That's all I think of every time I think of walking. It's too much. It's too much. That lady with the table tennis racket. Yes. Who disqualified the gold medal hopes of a nation. Absolute tragedy. This didn't happen. No, it didn't. On the weekend. Montag led through the 15-kilometer mark from Maria Perez from Spain, but Perez made the decipher decisive break just before the 16k mark and surged away to win gold. Montag's time for silver of 127.16 shattered her, that's definitely not right, one hour, 27 minutes and 16 seconds. We struggle with those numbers. So close. Just too many dots and things. But that time shattered her previous Australian and Oceania record. After the race, she paid tribute to her grandmother. This is, um, this is really pretty touching. Um, Judith, who escaped from Auschwitz at Birkenau, she said, yeah, it feels special. I feel especially close to her being in a country where a lot of Holocaust survivors came. She fled to Paris after the war and then came to Melbourne. We lost her just before the Tokyo Olympics, so it's been a couple of years wow. now. She wears a bracelet that she made had made from a necklace of her grandmother's, mm. and she said, but this bracelet, when it moves up and down my arm, it's just a direct like physical reminder each lap that, yes, this is hard, but what she went through you can't even compare. Whoa. One of the things I wrote on my bottles for my helper to read out to me was no regrets. And, you know, Nana and my grandpa went through indescribable torture for years to give my dad and then me an opportunity to give this life a crack and I wanted to give it a crack. I don't want to settle for fourth again. Whoa, I'm a bit emotional hearing that. It's quite powerful, It's isn't really it? powerful. Well In, done, Jemima. Yeah, good on Love you. Love that. In NRLW, the Newcastle Knights won a nail-biter on Sunday when Jesse Southwell drained a clutch conversion to defeat the Brisbane Broncos 22-20. to 20. Newcastle clawed back from 16-4 down. Pretty impressive. With Shanice Parker scoring a double. Up the skunk. Yeah, how good, including the late try that led to the victory. The match was a doubleheader with the Knights men's team, and by full time there were 17,043 in attendance to see Newcastle win their third match in a row and embed themselves in the top four. There, um, I went up to the Newcastle Knights business breakfast a couple of weeks ago, and it's actually really cool the way that Newcastle is a town, city, do we call it a city, have embraced the women's, women's team up there. It's awesome. They're absolute fanatics about their football team. Yeah, and it's cool. And they've just, well, there's another, another group of athletes wearing the Newcastle Knights jersey we're in. Yeah, exactly. How it should be. 
In our match of the round, the Sydney Roosters were far too strong for the Gold Coast Titans, dominating them to win 30-8 to at Seabus Stadium. Taryn Aitken was huge for the Chooks, setting up two tries and scoring a spectacular one of her own. In another quick football update, a Fran Herndl update to be specific. Again, we spoke to Fran a couple of weeks ago on The Wrap. She arrived in Sydney on Friday after dribbling that football 1,000 kilometres from the Gold Coast to Sydney. Insane. Absolutely amazing. She averaged 32 kilometres a day and she's still aiming to raise that $500,000 for Women's Sport Australia. So you can jump online still and donate at her website, which is chickwithaball.com.au. In tennis, the US Open starts next week. And for the first time, the men and women will be using the same balls at the tournament. Iga Sviantek won the event last year, but complained that the lighter ball didn't hold its strength as long as the one that was used by the men. The US Open had been the only one of four Grand Slam tournaments that used a different ball for men and women, which makes no sense to me. None whatsoever. Stacey Alaster, who is the US Open tournament director, said she told the players to talk to leadership of the WTA tour to get the change made. If the WTA wants to change the ball, no problem. Wilson accommodates that. It's no extra cost. And so the only condition we gave the WTA was we need to know what ball you want to play with in 2023 at the end of the 2022 US Open. She really deflected there. That was the biggest deflection I've ever heard. Not my problem. Bizarre. I just think that obviously as a tournament, why have different balls? Particularly when you're the only tournament. Mm. Doesn't make sense. Let's take a look at the key story. Obviously very close to home for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just want to say that Anything that we share here is our opinions only. And this is not obviously close to a lot of the girls, but this is, these are my words, my thoughts, and I'm sure yours as well. Mm-hmm. So just getting that out there. On Sunday, the Wallaroos players shared a statement across their social media channels that called for Rugby Australia to address the huge disparity in resources and funding between the women's and men's programs. The players' statement highlighted a number of recent events where the Wallaroos squad were told they had to go without as there was no allocated funding only to witness the Wallaby squad receive all they could ever ask for. The players have had enough and in the current sporting environment where the Matilda's success is being heralded, heralded across the country, they've chosen to speak out as a united group. And I think, Bez, there's a couple of points that we wanted to address when we talk about this issue and I think it's important to point out that there was a video that went up on Rugby Australia's channels and it was about the treatment of the partners of the Wallabies to the men's partners who were being flown and put up in hotels and going out for nice lunches. And that wasn't necessarily the catalyst. Well, it kind of was the catalyst, but it's been over time building and building and building this mistreatment for so many years and these players trying to fight for not equal pay, but resourcing and and funding to become just full-time athletes. And I think that's the most important thing is for the general public to understand that they're not there's the argument that they're demanding equal pay is just not not accurate. Mm. If anything, they're looking for a livable wage so they can represent their country, you know, at the best of their possible ability. We've seen it time and time again that when you invest in female athletes, their performance improves exponentially. Mm. You know, they need the resources that allow them to be the best athletes. And I think one of the biggest things is the promotion of the sport and the game and the team. I think if you look at 
a lot of Rugby Australia social channels, a lot of people don't even realise that there's a Wallaroos team exists. Mm. How are those athletes meant to build a profile if their governing body isn't promoting them? Yeah, it was interesting reading a few comments in comment sections for some men coming along saying, I didn't even know there was a team. How could they be earning revenue if I've never heard of them? And it's the irony of it's quite funny because that's a huge part of the issue that you didn't even know that there was a women's team because it's not marketed. Yeah, that that is a massive part. And when we talk about parity, um, we, we talk about things like support and like we said, resources and opportunity to develop. And and I know where, you know, c- comparison is the devil, but at the end of the day, the Wallaroos don't have a full-time coach. Eddie Jones is taking 12 coaches to the World Cup. I'm unsure what they're all coaching, but there's 12 of them. <laughs> so, the and as you said, the, the constant rebuttal from those who refuse to see the potential in the women's game until they bring in the same revenue as the men is just ridiculous because it is simple economics. I just don't understand how people don't say, don't under, don't understand that all businesses require investment before growth. Like plants need soil and water and sunlight to thrive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just grow. Mm-hmm. The Wallabies' success did not just appear out of thin air one day. You know, they became professionals because people invested, the game invested, companies invested, and the growth came and. You know, four years ago, if you had have said to Football Australia that the Matildas will be leading the way in regards to revenue and recruiting, increasing participation in football in Australia, they probably would have laughed at you. But here we are. And why are we here? Because, again, we spoke about the exposure that these athletes have had leading into this World Cup, the support that they've received from FIFA, you know, could be more, absolutely. But mm. and, and Australia has united behind them. And I think what's really interesting about this, I love that there's been real traction to the players' statement that's gone public and, and there's, there's thousands and thousands of people who are getting behind the players. But what's really interesting is Rugby Australia have a great opportunity here to create change because we have the Women's World Cup on home soil in 2029. So Rugby Australia has the chance to emulate Football Australia and do exactly for the Wallaroos what the Matildas have done for Australia. There's absolutely no doubt that part of this action has been inspired by the Matilda success, no doubt. And, you know, as you said, the sporting landscape is changing. Mm. You know, companies want to align their values with their athletes. They want to be involved in women's sport. The return on investment for female athletes is huge. Well, yeah, to, to point back to the data, the Change Our Game data that we talked about just a couple of weeks ago, for every dollar invested into women's sport, um, sees realises an average of $7.29. Crazy. Crazy. Crazy returns. Imagine mm-hmm. every time I see an ad for Matilda's a, a commercial partner, I just think those guys must be cheering. Absolutely cheering. Cheering. Mm-hmm. Like it is a no-brainer. And like you said, I think it's time we lent on our sporting bodies and their commercial departments to stop tacking on the female game, especially in a male-dominated sport. I often feel that, and I'm obviously speaking from my experiences in rugby union, I often feel that, a commercial team goes to a potential partner and says, oh, and you can have the women's game as well. Mm. I think that that kind of thinking, that kind of mindset, it has to change. We have a product that the people want to see. Yeah, You can sell it separately. There, yeah. are, there are multinational companies out there that actually have quotas and it's written into their charter that they have to spend a certain amount of money on female sport. Go find it. 
Mm. I just think we need to call on our sporting bodies to be better at that. There's grants out there. There is private money out there. Find it and invest in the in the athletes because, like you said, we've got a World Cup in six years and we could have, I, I firmly believe that Wallaroos could have their Matildas moment, but they won't be able to do it without backing. Let's take a look at what to watch. The World Athletics Championships continue. Each day's schedule is shared on the Athletics Australia social pages. It's a good one. Yeah. Times, athletes. Post note, last night, the 1500-metre semifinals, mm. red hot. Jess only, Hull? Only Jess Hull um, qualified out of our three big dogs. Yeah, wow. It was quick. I think yeah. she ran her second best time ever and still came six in the semifinal. It's fast, isn't it? It's a Faith, hot race. Faith Kipiagon. She's a beast. Oof. She's an absolute beast. So, yeah, jump online, Athletic Australia social pages, and you can watch all the action live and free on SBS On Demand. The Australian Netball Championships will be contested from August 21st to 27th between 11 teams from state and territory member organisations and Suncorp Super Netball Clubs. The matches will be held at Murrayfield Sports and Events Centre in Brisbane's north and all matches will be available to watch free via KO Freebies. And that's the wrap. That is wrapped. Yeah, it is. Great chat. What are we going to talk about next week? I don't know, but I feel like sleeping for a week until that point. <laughs> so not much because Chloe will be in bed asleep. Napping. You'll still get the research done, so we'll be fine. <laughs> Bye. Bye.